I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that, out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Welcome to the show. I wish I had a, a bigger announcer voice, like if I had like a Samuel L. Jackson or like a Lawrence Fishburne or obviously, I mean, James Earl Jones is like the standard, like the gold, the real McCoy of, of robust announcer voices. Unfortunately, you're hearing mine, um, but I thank you. Okay, wait, don't, don't click, don't, don't like hit forward yet. Uh, thank you for listening to mine and thank you for downloading and clicking the Cabbie Presents podcast. Uh, this conversation will be one of the most interesting ones I've had ever because we're stepping out of the realm of sports and into the realm of music. I appreciate those that have that have logged into iTunes and 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 rated the podcast and left comments. Um, I really appreciate it, and, and any comment is welcome, even if it's like. Um, we need to change the host. Um, and don't feel bad if you write that because because then you might picture me, you know, with tears streaming into my Dairy Queen blizzard as I sit by myself by Lake Ontario um, getting eaten by the E. coli in the water, which like literally jumps out of the water and, uh, and attaches itself to your skin. I saw it on CNN. It actually happens. I saw it on the internet, and everything on the internet is real. On the uh, on the podcast, we normally discussed we discuss you know pop culture and sports, and and today it's all about the beats that pump in your car, or at your gym, or, or through your computer, or in your bars or your clubs, or in your Beats by Dre headphones. A special music edition of Cabby presents, and our first guest is on the phone. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. Welcoming a Grammy-winning music producer, all before the age of 25, a proud Toronto resident, although now he uh, lives in the suburbs, but that's fine, we won't hold it against him. A beat and a beat maker of everything loud, punchy, and dope. Boy Wonder is on the show. Welcome, sir. What's up? Thank you, Cabby. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Hey, as Craig Mack once said, and and, and bass up the track a little bit because I want to hear that boom, boom. You know what I'm saying? I know that you subscribe. <laughs> I know that you subscribe to that mantra, um, and and you you emulate uh, your 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 production hero, uh, Dr. Dre. Yep. Um, he's influenced you in a major way. Can you tell me how? Um, just you know. Just the fact that uh, Dr. Dre has broken so many artists, such as Snoop Dogg himself, Exhibit, Eminem, um, and now and now Easy E, Ice Cube, uh, Ice Cube, um, and now Kendrick Kendrick Lamar. You know, just the fact that 
he has the, the, the ability and the musical talents to do that and just know what people will love every time without fail was just inspiring to me. And that's somebody who I want to be like, you know. Hey, are you are you going to be as jacked as uh, Dr. Drake? Because that dude is like, I think he's operating yeah, about like 6% body fat. My guy's just eating weights. Yeah, man. he's like He looks like the Terminator, man. I've seen him in person, and I was just like, whoa, man, this guy's huge. Yeah, I, I met First him once met him. At, at a party, like a New uh-huh. Year's Eve party, and I was a little intimidated because he's such a legend, but I went yeah. up to him nonetheless, and the dude was just ripped. Like He's like ripping out of his tuxedo <laughs> jacket. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy, man. Yeah, One day I'll be like that, man, get my creatine game up and then, you, you know, go. start doing a bench press a little bit. There you go. Now, there, there's an old adage, and I've heard this from uh, other people's stories, that like when they meet their heroes... They uh-huh. have like poor experiences, and and they, like the mythology of the heroes is destroyed upon meeting them in real life because their expectations are so high. Have, mm-hmm. Who's the last person that you met that they didn't meet your expectation of like of kindness or likability or even greatness? Is there someone? Um, no, you know everybody who I've met has has, has been pretty cool, but I did have a cool. Ex- I did have a rather strange experience when I first met uh, Rihanna, though. It was pretty, uh, it was weird because um, I just met her and, like, I don't know, man. She has this aura about her and I kind of, like, froze up. I'm usually not even a shy person either. Yeah. But she said something to me. She's like, oh, I'm going to stalk you for my album. And I was just like, uh, uh. <laughs> uh Yo, you yeah, just, you turned, the, me, you turned into the ninth grader and she was that hot senior. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and she exactly. actually she said something to you in, in the hallway, and you're like, "What? You weren't expecting it." You know, your gum flies out of your mouth. You know. <laughs> yeah, I felt like that that uh, that geeky guy in the high school that the, the super hot girl just came up to, and I was just like, "Yeah, uh, uh, like you know." I, I had no idea what to say, man. She said she was gonna stalk me. So wait, wait. Crazy. So 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 where did you see her? Like, was this at a party or at a, at a dinner or like some event that you guys? That- no, I was actually uh, I was actually in a studio, and uh, I guess she had a, a room in there. And, uh, like, I was literally walking down the hall, and then after I seen her, and I was just like, hey, and I, like, introduced myself for one second. And she's like, oh, I know who you are. I'm going to stalk you for my album. And I was just like, oh. Wow. Imagine, and I was, like, sick. Imagine she <laughs> said, I'm just going to stalk you, period. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that would have been cool. Yeah, that'd, that be, was, that'd be awesome. You'd be. Yeah, I would mind a Rihanna stalking. <laughs> you, would, mm. uh, you would immediately jump onto the Mount Rushmore of awesome on many people's lists. If what? Re- I'm telling you. <laughs> Now, 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 what is your what is your normal day entail? Because you're you're a producer and you uh, work with artists, you're not on any kind of regular traditional schedule. So how does mm-hmm. a, how does a, a everyday work for you? Not every day. It, it's different every day. You know, sometimes I have something to do. Like either I have like a session with somebody scheduled, where I'd either like wake up by three o'clock because I don't do anything earlier than <laughs> three o'clock. <laughs> my sleeping pattern's all jacked up, man. But you know, like uh, I'd usually just go to the studio or just start from home, work on tracks, or you know, I'm out of the out out of town, um, meeting up with people, working. It, it varies every time, you know. But um, you know, I'm just I'm I'm literally always doing something. Dude, 3 p.m. I know. Like, imagine you're still living at home, and 3 mm-hmm. p.m. You're waking up. Like, how many licks would you take from your <laughs> your mom or your pops? Or like, by by licks for people that don't understand what that means, it's a Caribbean term for beats, like getting <laughs> smacked or getting uh, something thrown at you. I remember, I remember the days, man, when I was just coming up trying to do it, and I would wake up late because you know I'd be in the studio late nights, me and Drake and D10 and whatnot. 
and my mom would be like yelling at me to wake up and stuff like that, and, and almost be wanting to give me licks, but I, I was too big for that <laughs> at that point. But man, it's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to Drake in a second. Now I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw this a couple of days ago, but while in town for the Q- Queen's Jubilee, Prince Charles, like yep. the royal family, Prince Charles stopped by U of Change, uh, yeah. this like arts and life skills program uh, um, for like uh, new Canadians and low income youth. It was here in Toronto. Now uh-huh. DJ Eloquence, who is so fine, she was teaching him the basics on the turntables. Now, uh-huh. so, so, like, here's Prince Charles, okay, of the British monarchy. He's, like, the 70-year-old, like, really super conservative dude. <laughs> okay, so he's learning how to DJ. That's one thing. Wow. So And then he's learning how to DJ from a Canadian uh, who happens to be a female who happens to be black. So, like, just all wow. those things are, like, mixed into it. But but here's <laughs> here's the question. Mm-hmm. When if, if Prince Charles were to swing by your studio yep. and you were to play some music for him, mm-hmm. What would you play? I'll, I'll play some Waka Flocka for Prince, for, for Prince Charles, <laughs> man. You know, just, just show him how we get down, man. Waka Flocka of all the... You know, I gotta, what, I gotta which, show, which song? Me, huh? Which song? I'll probably either play um, Hard in the Paint and just, you know, <laughs> kind of give him the gist of... I'm, I'm just playing. I wouldn't I would, <laughs> play my Waka Flocka, really, but, um, you know, like, I'll, I'll probably play him some... I'll probably play him some Drizzy, you know, just... Always representing, so I'll, I'll probably play that. Oh, that's play that him. I know he's a big Beatles fan, and like when he goes, he's going to um, the city that rhymes with fun. Of course, I'm talking about Regina. He's going to <laughs> Regina, and uh, I think he might even be there now. But the symphony is gonna, <laughs> the symphony is gonna play all these Beatles tracks, and um, oh, I, I, I know, I know, like the the. The sampling would be like out of this world, but have you ever messed with any Beatles stuff when you've been producing tracks? Oh, I've messed with Beatles samples, but they're actually unclearable. Like, I don't think you can actually even clear any Beatles sample. So there's kind of like no point. So if I were to even do it, it would be for fun. Right? Could you yeah. even could you even do it for like a mixtape where you're not getting any monetary uh, compensation? Like, uh, is that? Yeah. Can you get a kind of skirt away or skirt around it that way? You can do it that way. Um, I've actually, I actually did do that. I have an unreleased Cardinal Official song where I, I sampled uh, um, Eleanor Rigby, um, right. Lonely People. Yeah, all so, the lonely people. Yeah. Where do they um? That's the last time I'm ever gonna sing in public. Oh yeah, yeah. Please don't 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 do it. Please don't do it. Okay. Please don't do it. I'm just kidding. I'm just being a complete idiot. Okay. So so okay. So boy wonder, you're you're growing up yeah. in this era where like um, the stigma of of commercialism doesn't mm-hmm. really exist in music. And by that I mean like producers and artists license their music for like car commercials and video games and movie trailers. So mm-hmm. like. With that in mind, there's no stigma attached to that anymore. Do mm-hmm. you, like, um, when you're making beats, like, do you consider making them for, like, like, oh, this would be dope in an arena or a stadium or this would be cool, like, in a movie or a, or a beer commercial? Like, does that ever uh, enter in your process when you're making music? Oh, yeah, that definitely enters in my process. Even um, the, the record uh, Not Afraid that I did for Eminem, like, when I just did the track, I was just thinking to myself, this is, it sounds so cinematic, like it would be in movies. And, and the funny thing about it is it actually already has been synced for like two major uh, motion pictures already. It was uh, in the movie The Town and uh, another movie called, um, uh, why, why am I forgetting the name of the movie? It was, a, it was an army movie. Um, I forget the name, but it was, uh, big, it was big in theaters. But yeah, even like stuff like that and um, 
even like little jingles. I, I, I like anything that comes to my mind. I do it, man. Even little jingles for stuff I'll just make sometimes just to just have it. I'm just I'm just about music, man. Whatever it may be. Now, now producers operate in in different ways. Like some, uh, they compose the beats. Some mm-hmm. some producers write the hook. Some yeah. like craft the idea for the song or even or write the lyrics. <laughs> when you're making music, uh, what what's your process? Um, my process. I, I at first I start out with the with the track, but you see, it could come from anything. Like it could literally come from. Um, Literally, I've made songs where me and my boys are just in the studio goofing off, and somebody said something, and we literally turned it into a song that that like somebody used. Like what? And, uh, like give give me an example of, of that where you guys are goofing around, and then all of a sudden, like um, some I, artist is handed a beat, and like, yeah, I'm gonna record <laughs> lyrics to this or uh, yeah, music. I, I did a joint with uh, uh with for Carrie Hilson on her last album called By You with Carrie Hilson and J Cole. Um, that uh, literally came from me and uh, my boy B Major and Matt Burnett in the studio doing reggae freestyles for no reason. Like, we were just <laughs> bored. And then B Major did something, and it sounded dope. And then my boy Matt got on the keys, and then we just all put it together, and it turned into the song. And then Carrie Hilson walked in the room, and she's just like, I want that. Oh, really? I want it, yeah. She's like, I love this. How, how I was do... like, amazing. And now, how, <laughs> how do artists like claim songs? Like she, there's an example of Carrie Hilson's like I want that, save that for me. But when mm-hmm. it, you know, artists can people can like all kinds of stuff and I know you, you know sometimes artists make music for specific Oh, sorry, producers make music for specific artists. Like, oh, this um, this tape is for this person. Not tape, but, you know, the group of mm-hmm. songs or whatever. So when, when people say, I want that for my album, is it first come, first serve? Or or do they, is it like, is there another, like, a layer of, like, uh, of claiming a particular track? Um, usually um, usually what it is is first, first come, first serve basis. But, um I mean, really, it's like whoever, like, if, if they're serious about it, most of the time they'll just get on the paperwork right away and get the track so nobody else takes it. You know, that's how that's how they usually do things. And um, that's when yeah. you know that's when you know it's serious. Like, there's like there's language on the document, signed, yep. lawyer this, <laughs> lawyer that, and yeah, exactly. I want exactly when you when you get a phone call from your lawyer the next day and like, uh, yeah, um, what's it called? Lawyers just hitting me up about this. Then you know you're good. Right, you're right. Good books. That, now, that's how I work. And I know you're, <laughs> I know you're a huge NBA fan. Um, yep. And, and John Tesh famously composed mm-hmm. the NBA on NBC theme, which he called Round Ball Rock, after yep. it came to him in the middle of the, of the night in a French hotel room. And and for people who, I, I'm sure everybody knows, but it's the... Wow, I didn't even know that. And, and what he did was he called his answering machine back at his house in the United States, and he recorded... <laughs> into his answering machine. That's amazing. And that and that's how he was able to save that song and then obviously became this iconic piece of music uh, for oh, yeah. the NBA and NBC. Now, give me a place where inspiration uh, for a song came to you. Like an odd place. Like this is middle of the night. He's in France somewhere. Mm-hmm. Probably had a late night tryst with a, 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 a fine woman named Jean Vievre. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. in, in your case, oh, where, yeah. where's, where's the place where uh, inspiration for a song has come to you? Oh uh, man, inspiration for song has come to me. Uh, one time, uh, mo- most of it comes in. A lot of it comes in the shower sometimes. You, you just being there, like reflecting, and I'll be singing and stuff, and people be like, knocking on the door, telling me to shut up. And stuff. Like, <laughs> ideas come from there sometimes too, and like driving. A lot, I got a lot of ideas from driving too. 
and people just look at me like I'm a weirdo in my car because I'm, I'm like drumming a beat on on my thing, like singing something at the same time with my windows down. So, you know, <laughs> usually like driving in and like shower, like that's where I get most of the ideas. That's the weirdest places I could think of. Now, when you when you do have these ideas come to mind, both times you're occupied. How do you record them? Like, is do you do you do you sing it? In, do you make a voice note on your phone or like what? Like, or do you have a great memory where you can remember the sequence <laughs> oh, my of? Is terrible. Okay, well then you gotta write it. Well, not write yeah. it down, but you gotta record it somehow, right? I I usually just go on BlackBerry and I voice clip somebody, and then they'll be like, "Oh, what? Like, are you are you okay? Is like something wrong?" <laughs> and I'll be like, "Sorry, I just needed to do that like really quick. That was the quickest way I know how." So. Ah, nice, and, <laughs> nice, nice. Now, okay, so so I have three three of your most your your largest most your biggest songs to date. I know you have a lot left in your brain, but to date, now I want you to tell us the inspiration, and I'll just go one song at a time, uh, for how the music came to you, or like, or, or like where you, where you got certain musical elements for these songs. We'll start with uh, Drake's first big song, "The Best I Ever Had." Oh, uh, that that came from um, funny thing is uh, literally uh, Drake was hitting me up when he was on tour when he just came and he started going on tour with him. And he that he had just hit me up and said like, "Yo, man, I'm doing this mixtape, a new mixtape, new sound, everything. I just need like a smash. Just give me a smash." And the crazy thing about it was, I um, my boy had sent me like some folder of just like old songs to just inspire me and whatnot. And I was going through the folder and I heard uh, the song. It was called um, "Falling in Love Again" by Hamilton Joe and Frank. And I heard it. And as soon as I heard the intro, I was like, "Man, I made that beat in literally 15 minutes." and sent it to Drake, and I made a bunch of other ones. Like, that day I made, like, five beats and just kept sending them to him. But that was the one that I thought he would least like. That's what you thought he would least like? Yeah, out of all the ones I sent. So and what, he what, was snapping over that one. What was it What was it from that original song? So say the name of that song again. Um, Hamilton, Joe, and Frank, Falling in Love Again. That baby, baby, I'm falling in love. Yeah, I should just stick to my J job. No, 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 that's fine. That's but, uh, fine. So, but what, what was it? Was that the like you know the first part was like is that from that song? Yeah, yeah, that's from that ah. song. Like the, the intro, of, like as soon as the song starts, it's the first thing you hear. And then you just come in with your sonic friggin' like. Like, like, yeah. as though like the the Incredible Hulk was running down the street. The bam, 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 bam. <laughs> yeah, I did that. That's and just slap some drums on it and, and a bass line, and and that was that was history. You could tell that I just saw the movie The Avengers. That's why I just dropped the Incredible oh, yeah. Hulk uh, reference on you. Okay, oh, that dope. So, by yeah. the way. so then, okay, so then, so this one is maybe a little trickier, but Forever, mm-hmm. which Drake and Lil Wayne, Eminem, and Kanye got on, mm-hmm. is that I I don't know if this is true, but I read that you originally. Made this for this song for another artist, and then by some happenstance, it ended up in Drake's hands, and he got it or whatever. Okay, so first, the inspiration <laughs> behind uh, the song "Forever." Um, the inspiration behind "Forever" that was just another, uh, pretty much a beat that I, like literally, like I used to literally sit there and make about five beats a day, and that was just like one of them that. I like just came out like I was literally just working on something and I was just like, you know, I'm, I want to fuse uh, two things in one because the beat sounds like it's a little bit East Coast mixed with like down South. Like it switches up like halfway through and like nobody's ever, ever done anything like that. So I figured I would be the first person to try to do it. And I did it and it came out dope. And Drake actually had the record first and he did that hook. 
because he it wasn't at that time that where where he did that. Drake was still like he did um this mixtape, his second mixtape called um Comeback Season. So he was more on like back backpack rap kind of tip and like you know like slum village kind of vibe. So he yeah. did the hook and it just came out. But he's like you know it's not really me like you know. So I was just like cool. I'm, and then I ended up sending it to Cardi with with Drake's hook on it and Cardi loved it and he was gonna use it, but he took Drake off and put somebody else on it, uh, Rock City or something. And then after Drake. Gave it to Wayne and Wayne ended up liking it and they all ended up using it and that's how it came about. That's why people think it's like two songs and people were questioning, oh, if Drake wrote it or Rock City, but it was actually Drake that wrote that hook and yeah. it, it, everything came from Drake. But uh, wonder at what point did you add that big horn? Like, oh, right, <laughs> right when I finished it, I was just like, it needs a it needs a Jamaican air horn, a, a reggae air horn. Yeah, it needs yeah, that. yeah. Nice, nice. The air horn, the classic air horn. Oh yeah. For the, for those people, like, <laughs> now we have like there's there's a large number of Americans that listen to this podcast, so they're they may not be that familiar with the elements of Caribbean culture and like, uh -huh, yeah, Caribbean yeah. music. So uh, with, I must educate. Yes, yes, we will. There's, there's, some people, there's someone right now in like in like Southern California who has no idea what we're talking about, but yeah. you know they get a little get a little knowledge here on the Cabin Presents podcast. Okay, and yep. then and then finally. <laughs> Not afraid. We did mention this a little bit earlier. You said mm -hmm. it was very cinematic. Yep. Um, so, so where, like, where do the elements for this, the, you know, there's like that, there's like that army drum roll, the brrr, yeah. you know, there's where, where do the elements come from which you crafted together to make this massive, massive record? Funny thing as it is, uh, me and uh, I, I produced it with uh, these two producers that I work with, uh, Jordan Evans and Matthew Burnett. And funny thing about it is, we were actually making a dance beat. It was originally like a, like like four on the floor kind of dance beat, and uh, like at the end of it, I was just like, oh, I don't know if this works out. I'm just gonna turn this into a rap beat because I feel like it can go there, but it had that cinematic feel. So I just uh, slapped them drums on it, you know, them patented drums, and and it just worked. Out, man, it worked out. And literally, like a few days after, uh, my manager hit me up and said, Yo, man. Uh, Marshall Mathers, he likes that uh, that Forever track you did. Like he wants you, to send, he wants you to send him more tracks. So I sent him some tracks, and that was one of the ones he loved. Okay, so you okay? It's it's funny that you say Marshall Mathers. You don't say Eminem because I'm sure at a certain point, like when you work with certain people and you get comfortable and you build a relationship and trust, then it's no longer like I don't. Does anybody call you Matt? Um, yeah, yeah. People call me Matt. People call me Matt. Um, but do, you call, do, you, do you call Eminem Marshall, or do you call him, or do you call him M? Um, like when, like sometimes I call him M sometimes, but I call him Marshall. Like I've, I've spoken to him a few times and I've called him Marshall, you know, cause it's his name. So, you know, I figured he just wanted me to call him Marshall. So I just call him Marshall, but you know, I've only spoken to him twice. He's, he's a real cool dude though, man. He's really cool. Okay. So, th so this is, this is what, like, this is what's interesting or kind of perplexing to me. You, mm. you produce these records and you have these artists on the records, but mm. you're not physically in the room with them when they're recording. Sometimes I am. Sometimes. Most of the time when Drake's recording, I'm there. But, like, a lot of these people, you know, they're on tour or they're doing something. So, you know, I, I, can't, be, I can't be with them most of the time. But, like, someone like M or, like, Drake, like, ah, like, it's like they never really fail when I, when I send them anything and I'm not there, you know. But for the most part, I love being there when, my, when stuff is being created over my music and to give my input and everything like that but like M and Drake and like certain people like you could just literally leave them with a beat and then they come back with a masterpiece so okay so so for that track forever so you worked mm -hmm. with Drake so 
So you, you weren't were okay. Were you in the room with Lil Wayne, M, or Kanye, or, or no. they all just sent their vocals back to you? Um, you know what? Funny thing about that is uh, the only person's verse I heard was Drake until the whole thing was finished. Because you know everybody else was in different places, and you know like all I heard was Drake's verse. Wow, that was it. You know, because everybody like these are these are huge artists. They're like they're never gonna be in the. So it's it's most of the time they're not in the same place at the same time. So they're gonna have to do it separately. But you know they killed it. I literally heard Drake's verse, and then like a month later when everything was complete and all the mixing was done, and it and it actually came on the internet. That's when I heard everything. Wow, that's 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 amazing. So you yeah. made this beat and like. You, you and your, your two uh, uh, peers made this beat, and yeah. then you didn't hear the final product until basically we heard the final product. Yeah, pretty much, man. You know, because a lot of leaking goes on, you know. It's not like anybody can send um, stuff back and forth as, like like it was before because a lot of people's emails are getting hacked and songs are getting leaked out. So, you know, a lot of people like to keep their stuff tight and um, not not send it to everybody because that's how it leaks out. Now, when when you're in the studio, like, how comfortable are you, like, pushing the artist to, like, you know, dig deeper or, like, oh, you know, we try it one more time or, like, you, you know, you guys are, you, you, know, are, are, you know, is that your role in the studio to, like, push artists to get more out of them? Yes, yes, yes. That, that is my role as a producer to, to, at the end of the day, I like it when it comes down to the fact when both of us are satisfied with, with the the outcome of the song you know like if i if they do something and they like it and i don't really like it then it's it's not very settling for me and it's not very settling for anybody else because i'm completely honest in the studio if i don't like something i'm gonna be like i don't know i don't like that so you know for the most part when i'm in the studio with an artist it's always like i'm always pushing them to do better and and try to try different things and to to try some of my ideas too because as a producer you're producing the record you're 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 telling them your picture and they're telling you their picture and you're both painting a picture together that's how i see it dude you're like a you're like a basketball coach you have to like you have like a plan you have to like ma- manage oh, yeah. your talent your and your artists um is, is there a difference between working with a male artist and a female artist um not really actually it's the, the only difference i find is working with new artists and seasoned artists that that have that have been out already you know it's kind of harder to tell like a a, per, a person that has multiple platinum hits what to do with their music, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I imagine that would be that would be tough to navigate. Yeah, because you know they've been through it and they kind of know what they're doing. So you, I mean, you can have your inputs, and I do have my inputs regardless. But like, it's it's a little bit harder because how are you gonna tell somebody that won like 12 Grammys? Uh, nah, man, change that. That's not hot. right. You know, you know they obviously know what they're doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I so, I, ima- I imagine like that would come with uh, experience and confidence, and you don't want to. You know, artists I'm sure are very sensitive because you know they put themselves out there, and everybody's mm-hmm. so critical and stuff. So that would be that would be a tough one to navigate. Do you ever? Is there like um, you know, when you're um when you're in in a, a recording session, is have there been any artists that are particularly quirky? Like some guys like take, need a lot of takes. Or some guys oh, need the room to be like to feel right, <laughs> or like you know, like there's certain you you work with so many different personality yeah. types. Who's particularly quirky about their recording process? Quirky about their recording process, man. I don't wanna, I don't want to get in trouble. Man. What do you mean? Like, come on, this, oh, we're man. just talking I, to a friend I'm here. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah, a friend on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've been in a few uh, 
crazy uh, studio sessions that, uh, you know, people like, I'm not going to say any names in particular, but they require certain things in the studio that's just weird, you know, like dim lights and rose petals. and Rose whatnot. petals for real? Yeah, real weird stuff, man. Some artists are really artists, man, and some artists are just weird. Yeah. And they just require these things to be motivated. I can so, yeah, I can imagine it's it's strange. I mean, they say the same about like Hollywood actors. Like some of their writers, which mm-hmm. are basically their like their agreements uh, with the you know the studio or the network. Like some of the writers are like what the things they need are like pages and pages long. But yeah. um, speaking of which, okay, in Hollywood there are famous stories about actors passing mm-hmm. on certain movies that have become hits. Like for instance, Will Smith passed on The Matrix yeah. to make Wild Wild West. Um, oh, for real? Yeah, I heard recently wow. the, the Farrelly brothers who just did um, Three Stooges, <laughs> they were talking about how like 150 actors passed on Dumb and Dumber before mm. it went to Jim Carrey. Um, wow. Another one was uh, the studio wanted Chris O'Donnell to play Will Smith's part in Men in Black, and then the, con- mm. the, the director uh, convinced him to do the other movie so that Will C- Smith can play it. So, so... Is there? Can you give us an example of uh, of an artist that passed on one of your beats, which then mm-hmm. went to another artist, which was either became a hit or got a considerable amount of airplay? Like, well, you know, for the most part, I make a lot of beats for Drake, so majority of my beats are like kind of like first come, first serve for Drake. You know what I'm saying? Because that's my brother. Like, we we started this together, and we're gonna be in this forever. You know what I'm saying? So, like, a lot of those beats are out there, even like. A beat like Not Afraid and a certain, like I did a joint on the new uh, Rick Ross album too that you know I, I all made for Drake and he like he's he's hard to please with the beats you know but a lot of these beats that I have out there are really like Drake rejected beats that were like that were like hits. So like, so not, so, hmm? so if this was a basketball team, Drake is Kobe. He gets the ball first. Like he's yep. it's it's going in his hands and then yep. if he misses the shot or passes <laughs> up the shot, then someone else gets to take exactly. take a chance with the rock. Exactly. So, you know, I, I give the assist pass to Drake. Sometimes he passes it, and, you know, he's passed it a few times and became his songs. But, you know, Drake still makes hits. So it's not even like nobody's worried about anything. Drake still got hits. You know, we I got hits, too. So, wait, Wonder, so, so there, there's no – you can't give us a story about, like, there's not one artist that uh, – like, Huh? Well, okay. <laughs> okay, well, Drake, Drake must have passed on one song or one beat that went to a – you know, either a pop star, maybe not a pop star, but some other maybe urban artist that 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 person was able to flip it and and make it a pretty special track. Give us one. There's got to be oh, one. Yeah, yeah. One, one was um one was uh not afraid and seduction. Both uh, the records that I did on um, Eminem's last album recovery. Those are like although they don't really sound like anything for Drake. Some people would say um, those were originally made for Drake. Wow, and then they went into the hands of Eminem. Like Drake got his hands on "Not Afraid" first. Um, yeah, he had that. Wow, and then "Not Afraid" was uh, what won uh, you a Grammy and was probably the biggest song of 2010, I believe. Or was yeah, it 2009? 2009 or 2010? It was 2010. It was 2010. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Okay, um, I ca- I can't uh, have a conversation with you without asking about the NBA playoffs. What is your? Are you okay? So whose bandwagon are, have you jumped on? <laughs> okay, let me let me get this let me get this straight though. Yeah, everybody yeah. thinks I'm a bandwagon. No, no, no. I'm not. T- I'm saying. But listen, the four teams left in the well, not uh-huh. four. Sorry, there's there are uh, six teams at this point left in in the uh, NBA playoffs. None of those are your team. 
Yeah. Oh, no, um, OKC is my squad, man. Really? OKC is my squad. I've always been a Dallas and Oklahoma fan. A lot of people don't know that. They say, what happened to Dallas? I see people on Twitter, what happened to Dallas? What happened to Dallas? And I'm like, Dallas is my squad. But OKC, that's my boy. KD, that's my boy, man. That's my bro. And James Harden, those are my bros, man. They're, those, those are the squad. That's the, that's the young team doing it right now. Matt, can so. you do something about James Harden's beard, please? Oh, man, nah, man. That, that, that beard is epic, man. That beard wins games, <laughs> it's bro. epic. <laughs> the, people, people fear the beard. That's why he keeps it. <laughs> There's only, there are only, I know a bunch of hockey players have playoff beards, but and, yeah. and it's rare to see beards in basketball. Well, certainly, like, like he's looking like Noah, and and the rest of his guys are on his arc. And yeah. there's, and there's uh, Brian Wilson who pitches for the San Francisco Giants, the closer. He has yeah. that giant black beard. But can oh, we do serious. something about it, though? James Harden's beard, man. I- Man, I think that beard is a great idea, man. That's I see people in the crowds wearing the beard with the mohawk, man. It's, the the beard is special, man. And people, I, I feel like the beard adds to the defense because people are afraid to go near the beard, man. So okay, so your is your dream an NBA Finals scenario? OKC uh-huh. versus Miami. That is my dream, and I, my dream is for OKC to sweep Miami. So just sweep them outright, not sweep even make a series of it. No, no, just sweep them. It'll be so sweet to me. Wow, so sweet. Why do you are you Why do you hate the Miami Heat like that? I, I don't hate the Miami Heat, but you know, like it's just I'm such an OKC fan, man. Give us like, a, give, give us a Kevin Durant story. He's your dude. You've met? Have you met him? I haven't met KD yet, but we talk all the time. He, you know, he he makes beats too. He does uh, production what? as well. Really? Yeah. Have you yeah, heard? He have you heard some of his stuff? Yeah, yeah. He he can see, he raps too. He raps and makes beats. He's a good rapper, man. He's a really good rapper, and um, he, his beats are good. I've what? heard one of his beats, but they're they're good. It was good. He did a beat on B Major's mixtape, and it was dope. Really? Which 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 yeah. which mixtape? The lot because B Major does like R and B stuff. Yeah. I mean, does was, wait? Does Kevin Durant make R and B beats? I, I mean, maybe, but the beat I heard wasn't R and B. It was like it was like some South bounce, like you know, hard in the paint kind of. You know, he was going hard. He, it was probably one of the days where he he dropped forty points, and he just came home and just made a banger. Do you remember what the song's called so people can go find it? Um, well, I forget the name of it. It's on B Major's last mixtape, and it says produced by Kevin Durant. Like, wow. you can't miss it. That's, yeah. Okay. And now, yeah, KD uh, goes hard, man. Also, can we talk about Lil Wayne's fashion choices, please? Oh, man. Lil Wayne, man. That's, that's you know, crazy. He... The cheetah pants is crazy, man. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> you know you get text messages about it because I'm, sure I'm sure you rub shoulders with him or at least you're associated to him by mm-hmm. some you know, some of your close friends or whatever. So I'm sure like some comments come towards you as though you're responsible for Lil Wayne. <laughs> No, I've met I've met Tunchi a few times, man. But um, you know that's that's his that's his thing, man. That's his swag, man. That's how people identify him, man. The guy in in cheetah pants, you know. So like cheetah pants and like and like green boots and like red Uggs and like. Hey, man, he's, he's just enjoying life, man. Is he ever? is enjoying life. How far how far <laughs> out there do you go with your style game? Like, give me like the the one outfit. Like for instance, for for me, I had I once wore white pants. <laughs> And a lime green button up shirt. Like I'm fat. Like I'm two hundred and fifty pounds. There's no way I should be wearing white you're, pants. You're oh at the time I was two fifty. I'm a little smaller uh, now, but I was a, yeah. a big dude. I was dude, I've weighed more than two fifty. But anyway, wow. white pants and a lime green button up. Give me give me one of your wow. outfits that you're like, man, like looking back like that was a terrible outfit. I, I definitely haven't worn white pants for sure. <laughs> like white white pants are definitely something that's not in my closet, but I mean, I'm pretty straightforward, man. Like uh, maybe, um, actually, 
Actually, at the Junos, I, I, I didn't like my suit. I kind of wore a chopper suit. It was kind of on the big side. <laughs> <laughs> my suit was kind of big, and it was kind of like, like cocaine white. And it, I don't know. It was just terrible. I kind of looked like Gerald LeVert a little bit. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Two amazing references. Chopper. I remember that. That was one of the, like, one of the few like urban like videos that blew up on YouTube. Yeah. Like, Chopper's, oh, my. That was unbelievably that amazing. That was huge, man. That, his show are like so poking out out of that suit like that suit was large yeah it was like it was like he stole iron man's like like tailor-made suit with the giant shoulders and and then gerald levert <laughs> like that's awesome <laughs> now he's like he's like uh, man chopper was wearing like his grandpa's like suit or something man like it was crazy man yeah but but that was definitely the most embarrassing thing i wore you know but okay yeah. i got I have, I have two more questions for you then mm-hmm. uh, then we'll close it out one question is, how do you get paid? Like, like you, you're not again. You're not. You don't work in a traditional mm. uh, line uh, line of work. So, like, yeah. when do when do the checks come for you? And uh, and what's the biggest one you got? <laughs> this is what I can say. The checks in the music industry. The checks come when they come, and you don't know when they come sometimes. But when they come, they come. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> did you get extra? Did you get extra for um, the Forever Beat being in the Sprite commercial? Oh yeah, definitely. They um, Sprite actually in the Sprite commercial too for like 0.5 seconds <laughs> in the back. You know, so they cut me out, but right. it's all good. Sprite. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, but um, definitely they, they they paid up to use the the track in there. They ended up renewing it for like I think uh, another two years after that. So okay, and they just pay you every year. I'm gonna assume that the check or the collection of checks you got for Eminem's "Not Afraid" was the largest for one project, correct? Uh, yeah, that, I would definitely say that's the most amount of money I've ever gotten at one time. Like when you when they came, or like like I'm sure they came in a whatever succession, but and they came in different stages or whatever. But the one the one big one where, where, was that eye popping. Like wow, this is gross. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was. I would say eye popping, and uh, it just made me. I wanted to do push-ups after I seen it. <laughs> it push-ups, jumping jacks. You just, yeah, just wanted to celebrate like you won the lotto, like whatever in those yeah, lotto commercials. I, so, I definitely ran around the block for no reason. <laughs> I definitely did that. That a boy. So okay, so in comes the closer, Mariano Rivera to close this out. Okay, so mm. in, in February of 2011, yep. is a New Orleans-based artist named Candy Chang who took chalkboard paint mm-hmm. and and stencil stenciled the sentence before i die i want to on the side of a building now this like it's like there were thousands of responses like written in 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 the blank space mm-hmm. now this is bit now this is uh um uh the idea is taking hold in like seven countries and like 12 cities and in fact it's coming here to Toronto like they're they're trying to find they're trying to do it legally where they can find mm. a large enough space on a wall so that people can write to, to fill in the rest of that sentence so boy wonder if you find yourself in front of this wall in Toronto how mm. will you finish the sentence before i die i want to before i die i want to make an extremely positive impact on the the entire planet. I don't know what it may be, but I want to do something positive that that uh, echoes echoes for uh, years and years upon years. I love it. I love yep. it. I love yep. it, man. That hey, keep entertaining, keep inspiring. Thank you. You know, keep uh, not making us nod our heads with your music and your talent and your creativity. 
I love that response, man. Nah, at, uh, I appreciate that. At, at 26, as mm-hmm. uh, the notorious B.I.G. once rhymed, sky's the limit. So um, Exactly. It, it's been a pleasure looking into your life, uh, you know, and we look forward to, uh, you know, what you have in store for us in the future. And, and as always, keep representing Toronto in, oh, in a positive and a, and a meaningful and creative way. Uh, thank you very much, my brother. Ladies and, and gentlemen, you do, you do the same. Oh, I, I'll try. You know, <laughs> Id- idiots have no self-awareness, so uh, <laughs> ho- hopefully I don't uh, besmirk besmirch our our fine city. But uh, thanks again for joining <laughs> me, man. I don't know if a city can embrace a guy more than how we've embraced Boy Wonder in Toronto. You know, Canadians we're not really known for making worldwide iconic music like our American counterparts, although Celine Dion can can make a claim. She's by far our uh, most famous uh, Canadian export on the music side. And, and yes, Canada's produced legitimate stars. Justin Bieber, Shania Twain, Avril Lavigne, Nickelback, Drake, Nelly Furtado. But our producers, by name, are relatively unknown, and hopefully that'll change. So shout out to the legends, Daniel Lanois, David Foster, and the more contemporary huge stars like Dead Mouse and certainly Boy Wonder. To read his thoughts and follow his life, find Boy Wonder on Twitter at B-O-I-1, the number 1-D-A, Boy Wonder, B-O-I-1-D-A. Uh, glad you guys could listen in. And if you want, you can follow me on Twitter, at TheRealCabbie. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-C-A-B-B-I-E. It's been my pleasure to have this conversation for you. I'm Cabbie, and I'm gone. Thank you for listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. 